And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here tonight with Pascal. How are you doing, Paz? What's up, Gav? Uh, not a lot, mate. Just uh, recovering from a fantastic weekend. What a, what a win on Sunday. Um, Juz can't be here with us today. He's actually in the Netherlands studying the effects of eating nothing but French fries and mayonnaise for a six-week period on the fertility of Eurasian otters. So good luck with that, Juz, and uh, we look forward to hearing your findings. What a weekend, Paz. Um Sunday, I think I was confident going into Sunday, and then the lineup come out, and all of a sudden I wasn't as confident. How were you? Yeah, I know you weren't. <laughs> I actually kept quiet when I saw that. I didn't really react too much. I, I've, I've learned my lesson. I think over the last, um, I, I, especially this season, I've learned my lesson not to be too reactionary to to starting lineups. Yes, I have my. I'm not a massive fan of Enketa in the middle, um, but I understood it. So that was one. I know that wasn't your biggest qualm, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather... I, I pro- Actually, hindsight's beautiful, but I probably would have rather the Harvards in in that centre role where Enketia was. But um, And also Jorginho, I think, was the big eyebrows raised because everyone was expecting party. Um, but uh, I didn't look at it and I wasn't that upset I was happy to I obviously saw Martinelli on the bench which came as a surprise so I knew he would be coming on at some point um I thought the important thing with that lineup was I think we were looking to to keep it steady um in the in the first half and not overdo things not be naive try and eliminate mistakes and trying to hold the ball as much as we can and be a little bit more defensively astute than we have been in previous City games yeah, I think my thing. I, obviously, I don't ever like seeing Jorginho in a, in a starting lineup, um, but I, I also wasn't that keen on and, and kept you going through the middle. And obviously, I, I really was shocked that Saka didn't start. I, I really wasn't expecting. Yeah, I, I was as well. Actually. So I, yeah, I so when it come it. out that he wasn't starting, I was like, oh man. And uh, yeah, so but but like you said, I think that lineup was was chosen for a, for a reason. Um, I, it wouldn't have been what I would have chosen, but we did have a lot of firepower on the bench to come to come on, um, which was which was nice. And I think it was clear that that Arteta didn't think that Partey was ready to go for an hour mm. or ninety minutes. And I think he thought the same thing about Martinelli as well. Um, so they, you know, they were both set on the bench. But it, you know, so there was I had a little bit of apprehension there, and then it got worse a couple of minutes in because we had a, a, a pretty bad start, really. Um, I mean, let's be fair. We should have been one down inside, what, three minutes. Um, Rice heading off the line and a little bit of ping pong on the edge of the box. And it came through at Ake, clear on goal. And uh, he blazed over. And we were really, really lucky with that. I think that it was Ake there and not just about anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, we were very lucky with that. That was a... That was a really good chance for them. Um, I I I thought the worst when that ball came to him. Um, it, we I think it was that 
that start that we generally do have with City and uh, it, it, I guess this is this complex that we have sometimes where we, we can be a little bit wasteful on the ball with making stupid mistakes. I think we started a little bit apprehensive and I've, we've done that with City many times before. Um, so I'm glad that it was right at the beginning then later on in the game because I think the nerves started to settle after that. Yeah, I thought we got into the game pretty quickly after that, actually. After about five minutes, from about five minutes onwards, I thought we were the, we were the better team without being spectacular. Um, but I thought we were the better team. I think the most worrying part for me of their early exchanges was was David Raya. Um, because I thought he was hmm. really, really poor in that first half. Really poor. And and not from a goalkeeping perspective as such. There was one there was one cross that he managed to get underneath and completely miss and he flapped at, but it went all the way across, so no harm done there. But it was that it was the giving the ball away. Um and he did it hmm. a few times. I mean, you had the one on fifteen minutes, which everyone's gonna remember, which is when he, he initially played a bad pass to Gabriel, and Gabriel had to really stretch for it. Um, and then he pinged it out to Zinchenko and we were on the back foot at that point because because of the bad pass in the first place. And it ends up going back to him and he tries to cut across and he hammers the ball in to uh, Alvarez and it goes into the side netting. And we were we were lucky with with that one as well. And we'd we'd really started to get on top at that point. And then a few minutes later he plays a really, really bad pass trying to cut through a couple of players to Declan Rice and puts Rice in trouble. Um, and we got away with we got away with that one. At that point, I was really, really questioning what we were doing with Raya. I'll be blatantly honest because I don't think he's he's been particularly great over the last few games. And I thought that first half from him was really bad. And Arteta's Arteta's quote, Paz. This is this is what Arteta said afterwards. It's my fault. It's all my fault. They can boo me. I asked him to do that. Especially against this team, you start to do other things and get in big, big trouble. He was excellent. He dominated the box. He came for crosses. He got big ones. The crowd go like this and people start to kick balls everywhere. I said to him, make sure you don't do that. He didn't do that. And in the end, we got rewarded. I think he did do that. I think that first half, that's exactly what he did. A lot of people have said that's a thinly veiled um, shot at Ramsdale. The starting to kick it everywhere when it gets under pressure. And I can see that. But I thought that's exactly what Raya did in that first half. Uh, yeah, he, I, I think when he's when he was absolutely left with no option, he did. But the intent was to try and find that option on the ground. And that's why there was a frustration in the crowd, because there's a point when they're thinking, well, you can't be, keep on doing this, uh, after, especially after that mistake that was made. Um, you need to you, you need to just kick it out there and then. But I think he was actually trying to find that opening and it would be at the very last minute where there's just nothing available to him that he would launch it. So I can see what Mikel's getting at. I think the, the, the I, I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was a backhanded um, remark towards um, Ramsdale, to be honest. I think he's just making a point that this is, perhaps really the reason why he's been brought in is the fact that he is someone that will look last absolute last resort is kicking the ball away, but it's the absolute last resort. Um, And to his credit, even though the crowd were getting on his back, even though he was getting a lot of, you could see there was a, obviously a lot of pressure on him. He still was looking for that opening 
uh, even if it might not be in there and taking that risk. Um, so you can see that that was probably exactly as Mikel said, that he was under strict instructions. He says, you've been brought in for this very reason that you don't launch it. Um, yes, he ended up launching it, but that was just purely, I think, because there li- there was nothing available and he had no choice at that point. The second half was different. I thought the second half, Raya actually was really good. Yeah, really good. it was a tale of two halves. Yeah, it, it really was. But that, that first half, man, I disagree with you a little bit there because I think it did get too much for him. And I think he mm. did start launching the ball for no reason. And I just, I don't think he's, what, what bothered me more than that is I think that his short passes weren't very good. He put no, that's in true. trouble. That's he true. put Gabriel in trouble. He did. And he did. And I think that's kind of what started the jitters off. And and I don't know how much the, the crowd getting nervy is as much get rid of it as as much a frustration with ever with the misplaced passes. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I detest the long passing. I would much I've got no problem with giving the ball away trying to split defenders. Like the bad pass he played to Rice, that can happen. I'm not that bothered about it. It's the launching it and it going everywhere, like Arteta said. And I thought in the first half, that's exactly what Raya did. I thought the second half was different. I thought he was absolutely calmness personified in the second half, especially towards the end. If you watch, there's a bit going around on Twitter of the last couple of minutes of the game when we had two we had two moves, one of 12 passes and one of 19 passes to kill that game off because we never looked in danger after going 1-0 up. You thought, oh my God, they're going to, you know, there's going to be waves now. There's going to be 10 minutes of injury time. It just didn't happen. We just kept hold of the ball and killed that game. And Ryle played a couple of excellent passes, um, particularly out to Jesus um, in that spell. So second half, I thought he was excellent. But first half, I thought it was definitely, um, I know it was definitely, definitely a bit dodgy. But we um I thought we 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 maybe shaded the first half. It was kind of level. Um the the one the good chance we had really, I think, was the one that Eddie fired wide from when he tried to open his body up and bend it towards the far corner and uh, and put it just wide. And that was kind of the only real chance we had, I would say, that first half. There wasn't really much in it, I don't think, Pass. No, it was it was a pretty bland affair, actually, to be honest, the first half. It wasn't that we didn't really have much openings. They had that Ake chance, and that was really it. Um, it. It was a pretty even first half with not much going on. It really was, you know, as cliche as it sounds, but it did, did. It came across like a game of chess, really, between the the two managers in in and how to it, who can overcome the other tactically. But yeah, very, um, very. Uh, there was not much going on in that first half at all. Very even one. No, I think the biggest the biggest moment or or moments, should I say, um, were the twenty eighth and the thirty fifth minute, Mateo Kovacic. First of all, he goes straight through the back of Erdegaard. Um, really bad tackle. Uh bad enough for VAR to feel like it needed a closer look. Mm. I think it was probably just a yellow, but it was certainly bordering on red that tackle. Um, you agree with that, or, or did you think it was a red? I mean, I, I think it was borderline, but I think the ref probably just got that one right. Yeah, I mean, I personally, it's like I, I said the Jones one. I know that's also divided opinion. I didn't think that was a red card, the Jones one, but I thought this was slightly worse because I don't think he he didn't go over the ball. He went it went straight 
dead on the ankle. Well, and he's from ankle. like Jones wasn't from behind. Jones Jones was in front, correct, and it was on the ball. Whereas this was from behind, and it was straight down the back of the Achilles. So my I I like you um, would be a hypocrite if I said I thought that was a red card. But my argument with this is if you're again, it comes down. I know we always talk about consistency, but if we're just talking about an incident that that a player got sent off for a red card only a few uh, the last game that they uh, no sorry the the game before last which caused all that controversy and then you're reviewing that one and you don't deem that a red card then that comes into question the arbitration doesn't it um i think what's his name from chelsea had a similar incident as well and he got sent off so i my argument is yes personally i don't think that's a red card but i think if you follow what's been going on it probably was um, from a refereeing standpoint. But nevertheless, when I thought they were reviewing on VAR, I thought he was going to be off. But um, yeah, then they, they decided it wasn't wasn't high enough, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I questioned that too. I thought they were going to send him to the screen. And at that point, it's, you know, 99 times out of 100, he's going to yeah. walk if they do that. Um, but they, they didn't. Um, I mean, it was a solid 8.5 on the, if that was Granite Xhaka scale. Hundred percent. There's, there's no I mean, doubt about it. He was sent it. off for a pretty similar one at the Etihad. Yeah. So I, I, I think uh, that. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. But then to compound it, um, whether that one was was right or wrong, you can kind of live with a decision like that. The one I think it's a little bit tougher to swallow is seven minutes later he makes exactly the same tackle on Declan Rice. I mean, it is a carbon copy of it, and to me, I want to make it clear: I do not believe there's a referee in conspiracy out there. I don't think that because he refed a game in the UAE, he didn't want to send off a, a Man City player or anything like that. I think he just bottled it. I think he didn't want to send off a player in the first half of that game with hundreds of millions of people watching it around the world. That, to me, is exactly what happened there. It was as clear a yellow card as you could ever see. And come in seven minutes after, you've just made a tackle that was a borderline red. How you stay on for that? To me, that to me, this is insanity. Yes, it, it was criminal, really. I mean, he didn't have any problem sending Martine, Martinelli off for uh, two yellow cards within a sequence of within literally the same seconds. sequence of play, the same yeah. sequence of play against Wolves. He had no problem with that, did he? So, I, 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 I yes, I see what I, I know the argument that he bottled it because, but I'm mean, you're an experienced referee, you're supposedly purportedly one of the best in the country. He's not saying a lot, but that's what they, they credit him for. So for him to have sat, seen that, right, he got a very good view of it. It wasn't as if the wall, yeah. you know, was pulled over his eyes. It was a very good view of that. We saw a good view of it. We didn't need a replay to determine that that was a bad challenge. For him to turn away is incredible. I think you you mentioned it as well. He didn't even have a word with him. No, just, just waved everybody off. Just waved everybody off and said, restart the game. That that was now, all he did. I agree. I don't think there's a conspiracy, but the optics don't look good, does it? If you no, were in the no, it doesn't. refereeing, and then you see right in front of you. I mean, I've seen. I I know they're, you know, they're slightly hyperbolic. Um, there's a lot of hyperbole with the way that they broadcast, and I know it's a lot about getting views. But even a Man United fan in Mark Goldbridge did a live watch along for that, and he was as if he was an Arsenal fan. The way that that was just so criminal. It was so ridiculous that he, after all that's gone on, a week later, 
you're talking about someone missing a glaring yellow card. It's actually pretty appalling. And I'm glad they're still keeping talking about it because it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable at all. It's just poor officiating. And he's apparently the, one of the best ones. Yeah, I agree with you. And, it's, and you know, there was some talk about, oh, well, VAR can't review it. VAR didn't need to review that. There was no, no need for VAR to review that. No. The ref saw it. He made a he decision did. not to give a yellow card. It's, looking at that on a screen weren't going to change his mind. He saw the tackle come in from behind late and take him out. Five minutes after, he saw the first one on Odegaard. He saw it. VAR wasn't going to show him any angle that he needed that he didn't see. He knew exactly what happened and he let it go. So I don't think VAR has got anything to do with this at all. Just being able to show, oh, we should be able to look at bookings. Look, let's have less VAR, not more of it. Let's just have less refereeing like this. Yeah, I agree. Because all, all if, if they could review second yellow cards, all they would be doing is just putting pressure on him to make well, to the banish. Thing is, the thing is, Pass, is that they say VAR isn't there to re-ref the game, right? And that is what you would be doing in this situation because yeah. the referee has seen that. He has seen that clearly. Correct. And his decision is, I am not going to book him. So what you are asking VAR to do is to re-ref the game because you are asking VAR to correctly say to the ref, you got that wrong, now book him. But that is that is supposed to be the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm 100% therefore. agreement with that. I, I think you, 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 you have to just put that down to poor refereeing, or everything about that was terribly poor. And I, I don't know. I haven't seen an explanation for this. I don't know if they've come out and said anything about it. I guess because a lot of the, there's not as much outrage as there would have been. Do you know what? We won. And I think that is that, going to that, allow them But I them think that takes away sometimes. Listen, I don't want to take away the, the, the victory, but I think I think the highlighting of referees' deficiencies and how poor they can be needs to be brought to light, regardless of win or lose or draw. Um, but yeah, we won't want to emphasize it because it might take away the actual victory itself. But I think they should be held accountable and they should explain decisions like that. But this is the time for us to do it, right? Like Because Correct. you don't want to complain about these yellow yeah. cards and stuff after you lose. Because otherwise you look a moron like Jurgen Klopp replaying the game and stuff. Don't be stupid. That's not what this is about. But because we've won... We can now come out and say, look, we won anyway, but. Exactly, exactly. That's why I, I'm not against it being raised when we do win games because the sour grapes can't be put upon us. And also we can say, OK, besides the ridiculous refereeing, we did win the game. However, it, it, it can't be. I don't think they should escape scrutiny for such obvious decisions like that. No, I I hundred percent agree agree with you. Hundred percent. It was it was just an awful awful decision. Um. Anyway, so we get to half time, and I think we all knew adjustments were coming, right? Because that's what that's what was going to happen, and and we were worried about Pep because we said that Pep often does these in game changes that we we don't deal with very well, and it turned out it was actually Mikel that did it, and he was a little bit his hand was forced because Trossard had to go off, but. He brought on Martinelli. Martinelli said he was good to go for 45 minutes. And I think that changed the game a little bit because Martinelli then did our usual. We've been very narrow in that first half because yes. Jesus and Trossard both wanted to come inside all the time. And we usually have our wide players with chalk on their boots. But Man City basically showed us massive respects by matching up the same way. 
right? Because there was Foden and Alvarez and they were playing very narrow. So there really wasn't much width on that pitch. There wasn't a lot of space. And I think Martinelli coming on really opened that opened that up for us. And it gave us the it gave us the upper hand. And I think you, you have to credit Arteta for that because he could have made a different move. He could have brought someone else on and maybe changed the, you know, rather than changing the shape. But he, he was he was happy to change the shape and he was happy to go for it. Absolutely. And I was really happy to see Martinelli, I tell you, because I know a lot of the praises and accolades goes to Saka. But I think sometimes we 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 can miss how important Martinelli is. Uh, in this team because one thing he offers like Saka but actually maybe a little less so uh, I would say Saka a little less so is Martinelli is very direct he doesn't always cut inside he likes to attack the line he likes to go in um, and I think that's what we've been missing for a while and it was so I think it was having such a positive impact for it probably prompted Pep to make the swap the the change for Doku uh, because they didn't have that alternative themselves they didn't well they didn't have on the field at that time they didn't have someone who was direct like Martinelli so he was their equivalent for it but he I thought he was superb and it was so good to see him back really was um yeah I mean coping with those runs coping without both Martinelli and Saturday is is so difficult so difficult because we play a very very certain way and those those wingers are absolutely integral and they both start so wide and Martinelli is so quick. Like you could see even someone as quick as Kyle Walker, he weren't about to go wandering forward and leave Martinelli. So they were, yeah. um, you know, that it, it forced them back immediately. And the second half, we started brightly, absolutely immediately, really. We won a corner. Um, Erdegaard fired over when it come out of the box. It was a bit of a wasteful shot, really. Um, then a couple of minutes later, Rice with a brilliant tackle and ball through to Martinelli and he slammed it straight into the keeper's stomach. We had a couple of, there was a couple of really good chances for Jesus on the back post, not to score, but to cut back. There were like three of them. Yeah, and, and both were Rice. Both were for Rice in the middle. Yeah, and he just couldn't get the cutback. Yeah, just couldn't get the cutback. And then there was one where there was a little claim for a penalty that was never a, never a penalty. But, no. you know, you're always going to claim when someone goes over. Um, but yeah, I thought that that second half, I thought we really took control straight away, and they really offered nothing. Yeah, I, I, you know, going back to Jesus, I thought he played really well on that right. So I think we found probably our alternative to Saka when Saka is out. As much as we prefer him in the middle, the, I think you can see Jesus. The problem with that though, Paz, is that I don't think we've got an alternative to Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I get that. I get that, I mean, that Jesus probably is the best player to go out there, but mm. then you're moving him out of the middle. And then I, is the is the drop-off from Saka to Trossard or Saka to Nelson bigger than the drop-off from Jesus to Nketiah? I'm, I'm not sure it is. Mm. I, I would say if Harvard is being contemplated in the centre... I would say that's a for me a better alternative after what we'll go on about that. we'll we'll talk later but about that because that comes up that yeah, has something I can, to do with the goal. I can see that for sure. But I could see that more because I I feel like Eddie does make the right runs. He did. There was a, t- a, a time in the first half. I thought he did. He, I thought he did all right actually yesterday. He yesterday works again, hard, Eddie. Yeah, he works hard. He, he, works he keeps hard. people busy. I mean, it was a tough ask for him. For, for it that. was, you know, and it was a it was an incredibly technical game. Both sides' pass completion rate was up in the nineties. We both 
played over 500 passes in the game. It was, I mean, I know that, that you could say it was a bit, a bit dull, but I, I thought it was incredibly technical and I, I thought it was really interesting the way that they, the way the changes yeah. were being made and the way the ball was being moved around. It wasn't, you know, the ball wasn't being given this. Look at, look at how we played against Spurs, right? In that two, two draw. That was a pretty low quality game. It was awful. There was a lot of scrappiness. There was a lot of the ball being given away. There wasn't a lot of that in this game. Yeah, and I, I feel it was just lacking in chances. That's what it was. Yeah. As opposed to the Spurs game, where there were more chances. There were goals, obviously, more goals. Um, but the quality, like you said, the standard play, the missed passes, the mistakes, they were more prevalent. There was less of that in that Man City game. And I think what... I was really impressed with that. There's been a bit of criticism towards Odegaard. I thought he worked so hard, man. The pressing, the retrieving of the ball. Um, I, I think from, from attack to defence, that's where we were so different to other games I've seen us in. We were switched on completely. Barring that first five minutes, I thought, especially in the second half, we were the better team. We played the better football. We were more switched on as a team as well. and. Incredibly, statistically, this was the most even we've been with Man City, I think, I've seen since Pep has been there because they only, uh, I think they probably, uh, there was 51% I think they had and we had 49% possession, which is, yes, we're at home, but it's Man City. We know that they're going to We also outshot them 12 to 4. This is it. We outshot them. Um, So I, I feel that was where as well, which was interesting to see how, how far more even the statistics were. Yeah, this wasn't um, a smash and grab. Important. This wasn't a smash and grab at no, all. No, no, And And I, I again, you you hear all the noise. Um, it was a deflected goal and blah, blah, blah. You know, the usual. And I'm really, we'll talk about this later as well, but I'm sick and tired of hearing this excuse about Rodri and uh, De Bruyne as if, they haven't got any reinforcements besides that. It's, it's well, the we most had, we had ridiculous no, thing. We had no Saka. We had no We've got no but... timber. Partey and Martinelli weren't deemed fit to start. But so... it's like it's like ignored that they spent big money on Nunes. They spent big money on Calvin Phillips. They had uh, Grealish on the bench. They had Foden in there. They had the, probably the best striker in the world up top and a World Cup winner alongside him. They had Bernardo Silva in there. Don't give me all this fucking nonsense. It's incredible. The amount of bullshit you hear at the end of it. And then you look at that squad and you think, okay, they've got two players out, but we've got our most productive player out, like you said. The other, the second most productive came on in the second half. We had Party out, who came second half. So absolute nonsense. I I, I was really, really proud of our performance. Um, And I think we showed, we said they needed to win it. They came into that game. Yes, I thought we were going to be nil-nil, but to actually play toe-to-toe with City for the first time in years and for me outperform them I think is 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 shows you how far we are coming as a team and Rice was fundamental to that yeah and the one comedy moment I, I want to bring up was it was just before the hour when uh, a ball gets played through and Haaland thinks he's going to body Saliba and uh, he goes shoulder to shoulder with him and Saliba sends him about 15 foot and there's no question of a foul. If anything, the foul was Haaland. It was Haaland that went looking for the contact, not Saliba. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. he sent him about, about 15 feet along the ground. And it's it was crazy, just, though. It how... summed up the game, I thought. Yeah, that, but that how deceivingly Saliba. strong he is. 
Saliba. He's tall. He's a but big he's, guy. Yeah, he's a big guy, but he's not he's not wide, is he? Like Haaland is fucking mutant. But he's he's obviously a strong like Jesus in a lot of ways. Jesus is obviously smaller, but there's this deceiving body frame um that he has that he's strong and quick and that was amazing. Wasn't that the first half though? No, no, it was the second. It was it, it was, was the right, second. Yeah, it was it was just before the hour, I think. Oh um, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it was that was brilliant. That was yeah. just absolutely brilliant. But him and Gabriel were fantastic. That clearance that Gabriel did that people seem to miss as well. Yeah, was, it was, was it was sensational. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was phenomenal play from them. And then, you know, we had the subs on seventy-five to add to the Martinelli one at half time, Havertz, Party and Tommy on for Zin, Jorginho and uh, and Eddie. And again, I thought Arteta got the timing and everything absolutely spot on. He didn't go for it too early, he didn't open us up too much, but yeah. the changes were exactly what was needed. And to your point about we deserved it, we were the team trying to win it. It was our left back that was up in the opposition box with two minutes to go or four minutes to go, which is where that goal comes from. And it's all four subs, right? It's Partey in midfield with a with a lovely ball over. It's Tommy who's all the way up from, from centre-back up there in, in what I guess we would call the Granite Xhaka position from last year where he comes late into the box. He knocks mm. it down. Havertz does really well to get the ball under control, knock it back for Martinelli. Martinelli's shot off the face of Ake. I, I, I mean, I don't know where it was going had Ake's face not been there. It may have been going in the top corner. I, I don't know. I don't know where it was going. It was a bit of luck that it went in off Ake's face. But I thought it was it was luck that you that, that we deserved. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, I think we saw for the first time... Um, four substitutions that Mikel Arteta made that were penetrative for us in in getting the goal. You know, there's been subs that we've commended him on because he's resting a player or, you know, he's making the right decision because we've got the following game. But this one, I I can't remember another one this season where all the subs contributed. I don't think I remember a game, let alone this season, but all four subs contributed to that goal. And like you said, the timing was perfect. Party um, made a. I, I felt um, you could see why pe- there is that argument for him and Rice in the midfield because there was an element of real control and quick, um, quick mind of thought when it came to passing. Uh, I, I think there was a there was definitely a difference. Uh, although Jorginho played well, I thought Party added that more penetrative difference. Um, and and we saw that from an attacking entity as well with that ball. And then Tommy's run was brilliant. Harvard's Alan Alan Smith, brilliant little control and then knock off. And the ball was there to be hit. And what what is one thing that we've always said that we would want us to do more instead of walking it in? Hit it sometimes. And that's exactly what he did. So yeah. um yeah, it was it was brilliant. It was and, and after that as well, I think we we'll probably touch on that. But after that, I feel has as much credit. Um, as well uh, as you, I think you mentioned that, that earlier, but that has a lot of credit in how we managed it after that because that's been one of our biggest downfalls as well. Yeah, I mean, you 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 go one up and you kind of expect panic stations, right? Yeah, like you're expecting we're going to now drop into the edge of our own box, and and it just didn't happen. I mean, Erdegaard did drop noticeably deeper just to get on the ball, but there was no point where we looked like we were going to be in any sort of trouble. He he was just controlling the ball, moving it from side to side. Everyone was everyone is comfortable on the ball. 
And it was, you know, it was a bit of a risk making taking off Sinchenko because I thought Sinchenko had had a really good game. And I know he that he said part of it was as a response to Doku coming on because all of a sudden they had an out-and-out winger. Um, but Zinchenko had been really good defensively. And a couple of minutes before that, Doku had tried to beat him. And Zinchenko just took I it off that. his toe and moved away with it. And yeah, so bringing Tommy on for Zinchenko at that point... That's a sub that can go wrong pretty quick because Zinchenko is very important to what we do. And I I do think there's something to the fact that Partey came on as well, right? Because I think if you take Zinchenko off and you don't bring Partey on there, I think that can cause you a little bit of a problem because Jorginho then gets isolated in that yeah. spot. Whereas Partey, you're not so worried about him being isolated in front of the back line because he's obviously a lot better at getting out of those positions than, than Jorginho is. Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, I, I believe uh, you correct me if I'm wrong. They switch, they swap Doku when Tommy came on, right? Yeah, they so switched. They switched, they switched exactly. him a couple of times, actually. But I guess that had that was a reaction to Tommy as well, because they know Tommy is a very good man on man defender. But what's interesting is that switch is what allowed Tommy to make that run. Yeah, because he's <laughs> because, not looking at what's behind him. Absolutely, um, and I think that's. That also plays into why that you know some of the things that worked in our favour there, um, but I I, I was I, I thought Tommy did really well when he came and you're right it can backfire, but we we've shown now that we do have an adequate um, replacement for Zinchenko when needed um, because he's so disciplined he's a hardworking defender and he and he defends and and as we saw there he can attack as well. Yeah, and I think he's going to be really important moving forward. We've said this all along with with Tommy is yeah. that you know the fact that he can fill in everywhere, and the drop off isn't that stark is is a major major thing. And Zinchenko, you know, he fades late in games. I'm I'm the biggest Zinchenko fan there is, but there's no arguing that he fades late in games. When you see Zinchenko, when you see errors that lead to goals coming from. Zinchenko's side, even if it's not, even if it's not directly from him, it's because he's not there and he can't get back. Yeah. It tends to be late, like the goal in Lons, the one-two where he got caught out and just couldn't get back, didn't have the legs to get back. That was in what the seventy-eighth minute, I think. Mm. The goal at Anfield when he got beat out wide. Zinchenko is an excellent one-on-one defender, really, really good one-on-one defender. But as the games get late. He really does struggle to cope with it. A bit like Partey himself, really. Partey, I was going to say that. As yeah. I think the management of him and Partey is very similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's a good idea to get them off the pitch around 70, 75 minutes, no matter how good they are, because that's when the mistakes tend to creep in. And this is where the signing of Rice comes into fruition, because Rice is someone you don't need to sub after, after X amount of minutes, because that guy has an engine like anything and can fill... And then go back into his natural position when you take party off. Um, he can also play above party, and he has that defensive nous. Um, and you know, as you can see, his energy like anyone. So um, it, it, it does give us a little bit more flexibility now that we did not have last season because the options were so thin. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, let's leave the first half there. We'll come back in the second half and we'll talk about some more stuff around the game because I think we've covered the okay. game itself. Um, but I will see you after the break um, and we'll we'll go more into it, all right? Sounds good. All right. See you then. Yeah. Hey, guys. Just a couple of quick half-time messages for you. 
Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as The NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back into the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Paz, let's start with something you hit on at the end of the first half, and that is the idea of this midfield three of Partey, Rice and Erdegaard. I think that is a midfield three that we are going to see a lot between now and Partey's inevitable thigh injury in December. Um, I do think there's an argument that it's our best midfield three. I think long-term, I don't know that I would want to... I think long-term, there has to be another solution. And if Arteta thinks the solution is the Kai Havertz thing, then I don't think he should go away from it that quickly. But I do understand that we need to win games now. And I do think that that currently is our best midfield three. Yeah, I I would agree. I I don't think we found that player to fill Shaka's role yet. So because we have not, and it doesn't seem to work with Harvard so far, um, I would would say Partey and Rice in that midfield is is probably with Odegaard is the best ones that we have. Um, now, I think it can be changed depending on the op- opponent, but I did, I was an advocate for having party and obviously he put Jorginho instead, but he came on in the second half. But for Man City to have a midfield like that, a bit more robust, um, defensive cover. Um, I guess it can be different though against certain teams that we play that that would be perceived as inferior. Um, we might expand it a little bit and not have to have two defensive midfielders in that position and maybe push, you know, a Vieira or I doubt it will ever happen, Smith-Rowe or um, or Havertz. Um, but yeah, it, that seems for me the best midfield that we have trio to play on a constant basis until we can resolve that number eight issue um, and who, to, who you know, a, a decent enough replacement for Shaka there. Yeah, we definitely haven't found a way to get that working yet. Um, I mean, the the numbers bear that, bear that out. Uh, defensively, we are far better than we were at any point last season, even at the start when we were going gangbusters. We are better defensively now than we were then. We're giving up less chances. We're giving up less big chances. We, us and Man City are the joint least conceded in the league. I think we've, I think, was it six? I think maybe, I think we've both conceded six. Um so that's that's definitely saying, but going forward, we definitely haven't clicked yet. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. We haven't had Gab, uh, Gabriel Jesus playing through the middle that often. You know, we've we've missed Martinelli. Martinelli was out for the best part of a month before he came back in the second half on Sunday. Now, Saka's out. So there's been you know, and Saka has been carrying a knock. They, that's been made pretty clear that they've been nursing him through for for a while now. So. I think there's there's reasons for it, but but part of it is just that that midfield just hasn't really found its found the solution to not having Granite Xhaka yet. That that's the that's the issue, and I think if you 
if you're thinking of with the current team that we have, you've got the creativity of Odegaard. You have the engine of Rice, who can, whose best position uh, absolutely is in front of the back four, but he can definitely play the box-to-box midfielder well enough. He, he, he is more than willing to break forward. We saw that in the game, recovery tackles. He was still performing defensively extremely well, as well as bringing that ball forward. So that he can do. And party we know can play is his best position is in front of the back four. So you have the control of the ball and possession. I think a lot more, a lot more uh, compact and effective than you would if you had perhaps Harvard's there or Vieira there. Um, however, there might be occasions when we want to push it out a little bit. We want to attack more. We want to have more creativity up the top. So that's where potentially party makes way. Rice drops deep, and then you have Vieira or or Harvard's there. But I would say in the big games, if you're playing Liverpool, if you're playing who we Liverpool again is another possession-based team. Liverpool, Man City, perhaps Spurs. Um, you, you're better off, I feel, with party and Rice in there. It's nice to have the options because I remember need, to be honest. Though, you remember. Gab, do you remember when we had Vieira and Petit and when they first were in that midfield together, there was an argument that those two were too similar. Yeah. That, that you know, one, they were both defensive-minded midfielders, but it worked really well for us. Yeah. Um, because Vieira started to come out a lot more as well as being defensive, but did break forward. So perhaps that we have that in Rice, you know? So I, 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 I think that that probably, for me, is the midfield that works the best with what we have. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how often we see that going forward because I think we are going to see it quite a bit. Mm. Um, in regards to the win on Sunday, I mean, that means so much after 12 straight losses against them in the league and everyone talking about the 12 straight losses. You couldn't turn around without hearing that we'd lost 12 straight. Winning that game is so vital. And, you know, and we all said last year, you can't lose to City twice the way we did and then complain that you should have won a title, right? Mm-hmm. Like they took six points off us. There was no arguing against that. You you have to take points off your direct rivals. Whenever we won the title back in the day when we were battling United, what was one of the keys? We would beat United generally. So I think we this was such a big win psychologically. And, you know, and we spoke about this after the game. Kovacic not getting sent off was a disgrace. It was a terrible decision. It was awful. But the end result being what it is, I think psychologically, it's actually better for us that he didn't. Because there's, you know, you're already, you said about the caveats of they haven't got this, they haven't got that. We can quite easily point to the fact that we don't have Saka, we don't have this, we don't have that. We beat them with 11 men at a point when they shouldn't have 11 men. And I think that is huge. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think psychologically this is massive. And again, I believe, didn't we have the international break after the Man United victory? Was it the Man United victory that we had the international break? Yep. So again, it comes off the back of, you know, we've got the international... There's times when um, that international break does come in handy. I think this is one of those times because we've won. So and we we've also get... players that we need to... Kind Correct. of nuts through a little bit. Is Saka Saliba's obviously been carrying a knock. Trossard's now picked up a little hamstring injury. I, I think that they, that this break is a little bit more fortuitous for us than others have been. It has, yeah, it, it, that's correct. But it's also good going into a break after you've won because I used to hate it. I remember when we lost, was it three one or three nil to Leicester when Uma, Unai Emery 
Uh, and then we had that international break. You, th- when you're losing games, you want to quickly move on to the next weekend and try and get that victory. Um, we're not going into these international breaks like that. We're going into international break where we've, we're, we're in a good position, got a great victory, and our key players hopefully are going to be recovering to be ready for our next big game that we have. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think psychologically it's massive because it's one of those things that the media kept on reiterating about how many times we beat them and a lack of uh, beating them as a team. And um, I'm I'm glad that, again, in this last two, three years where we've seen the big improvements, we're getting big monkeys off our back, you know, going to Anfield and getting battered. We stopped that last last year. Um, we stopped Spurs and their little faux um kind of um, their faux position of being ahead of us in the league after consecutive seasons, et cetera. We've stopped that. We stopped any form of United dominance over us. There's been a lot of changes in in what we're seeing under this new management that we hadn't been seeing before. And this is one of them. This is a key, key win. And you're right. All the seasons that we've won the league title, we we never lost to the team um, that finished second. Not one of those from since I've been supporting Arsenal. So 88, 89, we didn't lose to the team that finished second at any point. So for you to win the league, you have to beat them and you have to avoid defeat. And we lost twice last season. So there was no way in your mind you could see us winning it in that in those type of positions. Yeah, for sure. I think you 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 have to win these games. And and Arteta's game plan, I thought, was absolutely superb. I didn't agree mm-hmm. with the with the the starting lineup, obviously, but I thought once we calmed down after that five minutes, you could really see that he was making good adjustments on the fly. We weren't going nuts with the press, which we did at the Etihad last year when we decided to go man for man and press high. And we just got absolutely spanked. And we didn't do that this time. We stood back, we stood off and we allowed them, we allowed them to have a little bit of ball on the edge of their own box. But as soon as they got near the halfway line, we absolutely suffocated them. You know, they're playing with 10 if you can take Haaland out of the game. So we use that to our advantage as well. And I, I just thought the game plan itself was was fantastic. We kept it tight. We opened it up. The later it went on, the more we seemed to open it up a little bit. And I think we would have been... I don't think that we'd have been devastated to come out of that nil-nil. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we were throwing David Ryer up for corners and going hell for leather for them last 10 minutes. But you could tell that we did... We were the more... We were the more attacking side. We were the side more likely to win it. I don't think I ever really felt under threat from them going forward. And that's a real credit to the way Arteta managed this game and the game plan going in. And it's the second time he's done it because the Charity Shield, was he, he come up with a very similar game plan. Yeah, similar goal too. Deflection <laughs> in the um, back of that. But I, I, I feel, um, yeah, he seems to have suss city out which is i mean i don't want to get too excited because we'll have an away game at the etihad and everything but he seems to have sussed them out the way they play the way they set up and he seems to have added that little bit more of composure on our end to combat their uh their various attacking moves but i i was really impressed with him i think he we managed it perfectly yeah we've gone to the etihad and had far more entertaining games or had far more entertaining games at the emirates but that's usually at the expense of us losing I think this time he's gone in to forget how it might look from an entertainment value. It's all about containing them, 
And I think we contain them really well. And also to, to inflict their second defeat in a row, which has not happened for five years or so, um, is also symbolic, I think, because it shows you and it shows other teams that they're, they're very much beatable. They're very beatable. As long as you can go in there and do your research on them, they can, they are there for the taking. And that's important because I think a lot of teams go into games against Man City and give up before it starts, yeah. um, especially away from home. I think they do that. And I don't feel like they do that against us. There isn't, we don't have yet that air of invincibility. Um, which is ironic seeing as we're unbeaten and they're not. But we don't have that air of invincibility that they have yet. And we need to build it. But it, as you say, it's just as important for us to knock it off of them so that these other teams will go there and try and take points off them. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 it I'm sure, obviously, the Wolves win was was massive for them. But really, that's a result that you could perceive as a one-off. But I feel for our win, that wasn't a one-off, I don't feel. I think that was us doing our homework. That was us reinforcing over summer. That was a manager who's that one year more experienced. Um, and it was a game that we went in. And yes, small margins and all of that, but deserved to win as well. And that's proven by the fact, like you said, they had very limited chances. I, there was only one really big chance in the first five minutes, and that was it. I don't remember anything else that they did. And after our goal, they were totally stifled. There was nothing for us to worry about from an attacking entity from their end. And and that's down to us having players that are as good as them for the first time in God mm. knows how long as well. Like that's that's a part of it that you've you that you have to remember too. Saliba was Saliba's the best defender on that pitch by a long, long way. We did this without Saka and they were without De Bruyne. But Saka's 22 with his career in front of him. De Bruyne's 31. These injuries are going to start happening to De Bruyne now because that's life. That's how it works. So our players are not inferior to theirs for the first time in God knows how long. And that, I think, is the that I think is the really, really encouraging part. Like we said in the first half, this was no smash and grab. This was... We are going to play you. We are going to keep the ball. We're not going to sit on the edge of our own box and just try and keep you at bay and hope we get a corner. This is, we are going to go toe-to-toe with you. There's some tactical adjustments, obviously, that are being made. But we weren't scared of them. And and that's the first time I've felt that for a while. Because even in the home game last year, where we were on top for that first half, I felt like in the second half, when they made changes, we were starting to get scared of them. Yeah. We were, and and there was still that that bit of um, apprehension that I had in that game that we were a mistake away from giving giving them chance. I think that De Bruyne goal was a mistake. I think from Tomiyasu, and then in the second half, not entirely blaming Gabriel because there was still more. But then he made an error that led to them getting their second goal, which I think Grealish scored. I think it was Grealish, yeah. Um, but that I didn't feel that in our game on on um, on Sunday. I didn't feel that there were mistakes in us. I think it was we were really really switched on. And you can also argue as well. Yeah, they didn't have Rodri, but we had our third choice defensive midfielder starting that game in Virginia, who who made that massive error against Spurs. So he also nearly did it again. By the, by the way, because he got caught on the ball again, and uh, he got he got bailed out 
a bit. But um, but, but yeah, I mean, he didn't have a bad. He didn't have. He a bad, didn't have. A, but he he's but, but he's clearly an, the an third idea. choice there. Yeah, yeah, and the idea of what we had as well, but also. The biggest difference for me is one Saliba played. He didn't play in the away game at the Etihad. I remember holding. We all know what happened there. Yeah, and Partey um, didn't play in the home game. And Partey, Partey, the, play in, the home Partey game. in that away game, that was after whatever injury he was carrying. And he was he was so far off the pace. And the biggest key, we didn't have Rice in any of those games. Well, this so is where was I was a... gonna this is where I was gonna come to, Paz. I was gonna talk about some of the um individual performances of our players. Yeah. Here. And I was going to start with Declan Rice because these are the games that he was brought in for. And yeah. these are the games that made him want to choose us, right? That's that's what it comes down to. He is a player for the big games. That is why we bought him. He's the best defensive midfielder in Europe. He's the best at ball recovery. He's the best at tackles. We played him a little bit further forward because he's got that side to his game as well. I think he's adding bits to his game every single week now. And I thought he was an absolute colossus yesterday. I, I really do. Mm. He was our Rodri, basically. He was what they did not have. Mm. Because that vacuum left by Rodri was exploited by Rice. He was absolutely magnificent. And I, that's not the first time we've said that. This is a sequence of games now where he's been consistently good. It's every week. Um, this is just what he is. It is every week. Yeah. And he turned up, like you said, he turns up in the big games. He, to be honest, we would not have drawn with Spurs if he'd not gone off at halftime. He went off at halftime. We all know what happened after that. Um, Man United, he scored basically the winning goal against Man United and had an influential role. So he is a big-time player. And that's why you pay $100 million for him. That's why he's in the squad. Not that that's even talked about anymore, but if you want a justification for $100 million, that is it. Um, I just thought it was magnificent. I thought even, like I said, he will venture forward. He will he will assist the attack, but he will also do a magnificent job in retention. Uh, I know doing the rounds was that fantastic recovery that he did tackle. I don't know who it was on. Was it Bernardo Silva or someone? I, yeah, that's I when he created the, that's when he created the chance for Martinelli. It was that tackle that led to the through ball for Martinelli that he fired in at Edison. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. It, it, it's it's a common theme where where his recovery and then bringing it forward is is going to be part of our game and I think he's been something that's fundamental to to our midfield and was the difference last season when we played City because we didn't have it. Well, Arteta knew it, right? Like that's why Arteta chased yeah. him so hard. Arteta absolutely knew it, and you can tell how quickly he's settled and how good he's been because there is no yeah. one screaming about one hundred and five million because that is. I mean, it's a bargain. Someone, I saw someone say that um, we need to call a cab and send 20 million more over to West Ham because we didn't pay enough. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if another 20 would cut it, to be honest with you. I don't. I said to you guys before we signed him that I didn't think there was an amount that was too much to pay for Declan Rice because of this. And we've got this for the next eight years, touch wood. And I just think it's it's phenomenal the way he's played. And I thought he was great again yesterday. Yeah, he was. and. Um... It, it it shows actually that at the time it was frowned upon that amount. I know you've always stuck by stuck by and said it's a bargain, and but I agree with you on that. But um, gen, the general uh, viewpoint was, oh God, it's a lot of money, it's overpaid, blah blah blah. But now when you look at what's happened after that, you could say he was a catalyst for it. But I would say it was um, 
uh, Enzo um, from uh, Chelsea, which is the catalyst for all these midfielders going for high prices. But Rice, and then you see what Caicedo went for. And um, the difference he's made at Chelsea is like you can't even, there's no comparison. Rice has just made an uh, automatic impact for us. And you see Caicedo, Lavia, and then you see all the other players that have gone for crazy money, um, we we really did well to strike early with him and get that done and get that over the line. And City were in for him as well. Let's not let's not um, avoid that fact. Um, so, yeah, can you imagine if he'd have gone if he'd have gone there? I mean, it, that that would just be that we would, would have been. been he would have played then against us in yeah. the last game. Yeah, because Rodri would have not been there. He would have been yeah. there, basically the replacement for Rodri. Yeah, that's what he would have been. But yeah. thank God the guys got sense. And realise that he can be so pivotal to our team and be a hero and uh, and be part of something special that he came to us because we're very lucky to have him. Yeah, agreed. Um, Jesus, we touched on it a bit in the part one. I thought Jesus was absolutely sensational yesterday. Yeah. I think he might have been the, he might have been the man of the match for me. Yeah. Um, challenge for every long ball. He fought constantly. There were a couple of times when, you know, it's the, it's the old Jesus thing, isn't it? Sometimes the end product just isn't quite there. And a couple of them cutbacks where he, he couldn't quite find his way back. It's it's a shame that he couldn't find any anyone there because it, it really, it was a performance that I thought deserved more than what it got. And against his old team as well, um, I, I thought he was, I thought he was great. And I thought Zinchenko was great as well, all over the pitch. And I think them two, you know, the, the signings, them two last summer, they're two more that are absolute bargains for what we paid. We've made a lot of good signings since Arteta took over. Um, and there is an argument that that Zinchenko might be the best of the lot. But you could argue with that about 10 different players. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Jesus was magnificent. And I, I, he has been since he's come back in the team. I, I don't think I've seen him really underperform in any games. Um, he uh, he scored the goal against Lons. Um He's. I think he's been very. Um, I think he was unlucky. He eh? missed that chance against Spurs. But I think his his all round play has been something that we really missed. He's such a. It doesn't matter if we're playing Bournemouth or or playing Man City. His work ethic is always top notch, and his press and everything about him. Um, I'm I'm just really pleased he's back in our team because we really really missed him, and I'm hoping that we're going to see him more in the centre because that's where I like him when. He plays there, um, but very, very impressive. Zinchenko too. I think Odegaard didn't have the most productive offensive performances, but I thought his work rate, his defensive nous was excellent as well. And his use of the ball um, as well, Odegaard, like the way he just the way he just moves out of trouble, yeah. and, and lays the ball Keeps off and he calms everything down. Keeps it going. I thought Ben White was brilliant again. He's really one of those players that you know we don't notice as much, but. I, I think has been sensational for us. That little nutmeg he did on Doku, he's he's just been he's been phenomenal against on that right hand side. And I, I feel also when Saka when Saka is there, when Ben White was unavailable, that we really missed that more than we thought we did because when he obviously having party there does not bring the same um, same dynamic, but also his runs, his overlaps are becoming more and more impressive. I think. And he he hates Phil Foden, and I hate Phil Foden. So, yeah, what was that about? What was was that linked to something from? Oh no, that wasn't the last game. That was actually a game at the Etihad. Yeah, the game it? at the Etihad was when they got into it at the final whistle. Um, yeah, 
and yeah. uh yeah but it's but yeah he's uh it, it he clearly doesn't like him because he had a go at him again during the game um but the nutmeg on the nutmeg on doku was that was brilliant it, it, yeah. and and it was like at the the last minutes of the game it's it's just yeah. There's things he's a highly skillful player that people yes, he don't is. sometimes because he's again it's his body frame slightly deceiving. He's not he's not small. He's quite it's and, a tall and let's guy. Let's be fair, he's an arsehole. So he, he's he's that he, sort he's of player <laughs> that if he plays for you, you love him, and if yeah. he plays against you, you fucking hate him. Yeah, you fucking yeah, that's true. But but I, I feel we've we've got lucky from as a club point that England that he's. He um, had that argument with England's coach and and doesn't play for them anymore because their yeah, loss long is continue. It's a shame. It's a shame that Southgate's going after the summer next year because White's probably going to end up back in the squad. And um, I, I quite well. I like I like at least having one player we haven't got to worry about going away and getting ruined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy because he's now got he's got Bellingham and Rice in his midfield. Can you imagine? Yeah. All these years they talked about Gerald and Lampard. You telling me Rice and Bellingham shits on that combination? Yeah, um, oh, yeah. I, th- I think they're, they're they're you know it's the future is very bright for England. And looking over when you've got that sort of team to look over someone like mm. Ben White, when you think that the centre backs might be the weakest point, and you could play White at right back or you can play White at centre back. Yeah. It doesn't matter which one you do, but yeah. to constantly look over him is bad for England. But it's great for us, and and you know we've said this before. It's great for us. I don't even. I'm, know I'm, I'm happy. Right. He's, he's 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 not. No, I don't think he cares. No. I don't think he fucking cares. I I think it, it, Ben White's that type of guy. You know, he's not. He he doesn't really care for football anyway. Outside of football, um, he's a very um, seems very um, private guy. Um, but I don't think he gives a shit. And in fact, I think he. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was so demotivated being in that England cap. Yeah, he might not want seeing, to play again. Yeah, he's just like fuck that. Why should I play for this? It's. He, he's much better off where he is. I think he he likes where he is. I, I think he's going to renew that contract, and I think we've got a really really important player um, part of our team now. Um, yeah. I I just hope Rice doesn't play in that friendly game either. The Australia game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to. So when is that? Is that Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Uh, no, I think it's the weekend. And then, oh, is it? They, is it a Friday, Monday, or Friday? Yeah, Tuesday I think it's whatever. like Friday or Saturday, and then it's Italy okay. in the qualifier. Yeah. So I get it if he's playing for that, but surely he's not going to put him against Australia. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought so. But yeah. I think I think one thing that this that that this has kind of been lacking to this point, us and Man City, is there's no there's not been much in the way of like vitriol between the teams, right? Like mm. like there's just not been a lot. I know Ben White got a bit arsy at the end of the game at the Etihad last year, but there's not been a lot. And I feel like we're starting to see a bit of that now. There's starting to be a little bit of spikiness from Guardiola towards us in his in his comments and his after match stuff. And the scrap at the end, did you see Walker and Nicholas Jova get into it at the end? I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, that goes. It goes back to last year, and something happened with them at the Etihad. I don't know what, um, but that that the spikiness you need that for it to be a, for it to be a rivalry. Like Liverpool, Man City was never a real rivalry. Like Man City just shit all over them until that one season when they had a bad season and Liverpool happened to win a title. But there was never. I don't feel like that was ever really a rivalry as such. But. For there to be a rivalry, there needs to be some spikiness, and I think we might just be starting to see the beginning of it now. Yeah, rivalries usually, unless they're 
neighbor rivalries like us and Spurs, but usually rivalries come about because you start getting, because the two teams become close together in terms of what they're battling for. So historically, we were so fucking tired of every press interview with uh, Pep Guardiola after we'd be hammered 6-1 or 5-0. He'd say that, oh yeah, we're a promising team and we're a good side. And it just always felt really sarcastic and kind of patronising and whatever. I think only because last season we started challenging them, we were still beaten comprehensively in both games. But I felt this season, they now know they're in a fight. And they know now that when they play us, it's not going to be what it was before with a defensive line of Koscielny, Mustafa, uh, sorry, not Koscielny, uh, Kalasinic, Mustafi, Chambers, Bayerin. It's it, This is not that dead time anymore. So I, I think that plays a part. Um, and then obviously there is a little bit of history between Arteta, Joe, is it Jova? What's his name? Nicholas Jova, yeah. Nicholas Jova. Jova. Yeah, he also was there at Man City. So there's a bit of history there. Um, I, you know, if you look at our rivalry with Man United over the years, it really got to its peak in the early 2000s, but that's because we were challenging them. We always had a rivalry with Man United, but usually our rivalry back in the 80s and 70s was because we were kind of similar teams in a lot of ways. We weren't really challenging for the league. Only in the late 80s did we do it, but in the mid we were kind of FA Cup teams like United were. And and so the rivalry sustained itself over a period of time. But this City one, I think is going to be a new type of rivalry where we are going to be just as disliked as they are. And we're going to be going in it and giving it just as much to them. Because you look at our team now, you don't fuck around with those players. No, really it, has to be, it has to be a competitive rivalry because they're not a real football club. No, so that's the no. that's the hard part. Like, With like I don't blame charges as well. Yeah, so I don't blame the you know the Liverpool and their rivalry not really feeling like a rivalry because it's it's hard to have a rivalry with a with a club that aren't really a real football club. It is a difficult rivalry, and I don't mean that in a facetious way. I'm being honest. Like when you think of Manchester City, I think of David White and Uwe Rosler. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not a, they're not a, John Gota. Yeah, they're not a serious club. But now, you now when I think of them, I kind of think that that Man City doesn't really exist anymore. This is now Abu Dhabi, so it's it's very difficult to to have a, a rivalry based on any kind of history. So it has to be based on this, and I think the only way it does is if this extends over a you know a five year period, and then you can maybe do it. Because like I said, with Liverpool and them, people want to pretend there was a rivalry there, but there really wasn't because City won five out of six league titles. And Liverpool's only, the only time Liverpool won it was the year when Man City dropped off and managed to get points in the low 80s. Yeah, look, I can, I can, without seeing viewing figures, and I'm talking international as well as in the UK, I can bet you when Arsenal play Man United, when Arsenal play Liverpool, when Liverpool play Man United, those will get the biggest attendance. When Arsenal play Liverpool, live Arsenal, those three teams, when they play each other, that gets a far bigger attendance than when Man City is in the frame because of the historical rivalry that's there. That's real rivalry, right? Man City is a fabricated one over the years because of what they've done. But historically, they're nowhere in the vicinity of those three teams. They got their European title. I guess you want to talk about Europe, that's maybe a different discussion. But in terms of domestically, 
Those are the three big teams. So whenever they play each other, it's steeped in history. There's all his, there's, there's claims that we can come up with as two of us of Arsenal Man United games that we remember, Arsenal Liverpool games that we remember, even Man United Liverpool games that we will remember. But City games, it's a very recent history. Well, well, this it's is a it's a new rivalry that we have, but I will never put that in the same category as those two teams in terms of rivalry with other teams um, in in the Premier League. No way. Even no, Spurs. This is, this is the even, thing, I've right? put Spurs in there as well. You, you've got you've got three massive clubs in Arsenal, Man United, and Liverpool, and now you have three financially doped clubs with Man City, Chelsea. And now Newcastle. And then you've got Spurs are kind of the best of the also ran rest, whatever. That's that's just how it is. Like it, it you can you could not like it, whatever. That that is how it is. You've got three huge clubs, three financially dope clubs, and then you've got you've got the rest. So there's always going to be a difference. So the rivalry that has to develop between us and Man City, it can't be the same rivalry that we have with Liverpool. It can't be the same rivalry we have with Man United. And it can't be the same rivalry we have with Tottenham because that's one born out of you know, location. You know, that is just a local rivalry. That isn't anything else. I mean, they've won two league titles in their entire history. It's it's not that kind of rivalry. It's a local rivalry. Man City, we can never have any of those sort of rivalries with because they are not a big club and they are not a local club for us. So it really is just about going for going for trophies. And I think the the you kind of you want a little bit of spice as well with that. that that's kind of just where I was where I was going, but you just want a little bit more, a little bit of spice with it as well, and not to be constantly patted on the head and said, but there, there, you did well. Exactly. But we have now players that can give that spice. If you think about it, if you think about when we were, even when we beat them 2-0 away and Casola had that phenomenal game, but you just look at our team, you know, it's Coquelin, um, it, 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 you know, Theo Walcott, um, you know, we're not talking about the hardest players on the planet, right? You look at our team now, they can all hold their own. Rice holds their own, party, I'm sure, can Saliba. You can see Gabriel, Ben White definitely can. Um, Zinchenko can put his bit in, Jesus. They all, yeah, Jesus. They can all, you know, they can all get stuck in. So, I feel that adds to it as well because. You're not being bullied anymore. You're not being bullied off the park. You're not looking like idiots when you come off it. We're not getting battered 5-0 anymore. So that is absolutely going to add to a rivalry. But And this is my where the charity shield actually matters as well, right, Pass? Because the charity shield, we only won on penalties in the charity shield. It wasn't even a real win. But it meant something. You could tell it afterwards is. with Guardiola with his little spiky comments about, oh, well, we, we'll win the one that matters and all that. It's that is That kind of feels to me like it could be a bit of a turning point in all this to winning that. The belief that we got out of it and the realisation from their point that they're in an actual fight this time around, I think that could be a bit of a turning point. And as much as at the time it's only the charity shield, it might be a bit more than just the charity shield. Yeah, look, look, Gab, look at when a, a manager's reaction is really important to determine how the rivalry is starting to shape up. Because Guardiola historically was always this patronizing compliments about us, right? Look at the Ferguson Wenger years. When Wenger first came on the scene, Arsenal started to improve. We saw that in the season before they won the league when he came in. Um, and Ferguson made that comment about uh, coming from Japan and not knowing. You could see it was rattling Ferguson. That You could see Arsenal was now going through a different change. They were now competing. So therefore, 
funnily enough, all through those years when we were challenging United, it was really spiky, mind games, everything. Funny thing after that, though, was when we started to falter out as a competitive team for the championship, Fergus was all complimentary about Wenger. He's yeah. the best guy. We go for a drink. We have wine. I don't want them saying that. I don't want them being mates. When they're being mates, that to me suggests they don't see them as a threat. We want Pep to say those things. I like that he says those things. I like that he's bitter. That's what we want to see. We don't want compliments. So I feel that's when you know you're heading into a different era with your club, just purely just by what the managers are saying. Yeah, I, I I agree with that hundred percent, and I think it's been it's been evident over the last few months the change in that, and hopefully we can keep this up. I mean, we've got a, you know we've got some big games when we come back after the national yeah. break. Um, we've obviously got uh, I think we start away at Chelsea. There's well, some, that mid table team, the, the mid table team. Yeah, we've got them away, <laughs> um, and then we've got uh, we've got I think that I think Sevilla's in the week after that, and Sevilla, then, yeah, Sevilla then away. West they Ham just changed the their manager. Surprise, cup. surprise! They yep. got rid of their manager. Yeah, Diego, mm. someone or other they brought in. I see that earlier, um, but yeah. So we 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 need to get back, and we need to get we need to get right back to it when it comes out. Yeah. As much as I, as much as this this, you know, it's not the worst timing for an international break for us. Man, I really wish we didn't have it because I I want to watch a game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's funny because now going to Stamford Bridge doesn't seem that daunting anymore. I remember no. going there in the Mourinho years. And even after that, I was like, oh, fuck, man. You know, now we go there, it, it doesn't feel anything like no. um, for us no, to the, worry the pressure's, about. The pressure now is just to just to put them away, right? Like that. that's yeah. it. There's no, there's no thought in anyone's head of get there and take a draw. No, 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 no. We we no. got to get there and we got to get there and put them away. So we need to come back out this break firing. Hopefully, Saka will be uh, ready to go when we come out. Hopefully, the Saliba injury, which um, I, I I believe isn't serious, I think it's something that he's just nursing through. Hopefully, we can start to get that cleared up a little bit. The Trossard hamstring Martinelli injury. will be um, Martinelli, yeah, Martinelli will be fresh. And Trossard hamstring injuries are always scary because they have a tendency to reoccur. Mm. Um, which is, you know, which is what you worry about with with Martinelli, especially the way he's, you know, just the way his game is. He's susceptible to that stuff. But hopefully, we can get right during the international break, come back and and just hit the ground running again because it's, you know, we we we've slayed a lot of demons over this over this last year year and a half, two years. We've slayed a lot of demons, and I think this falling away after international breaks is something that we've got to, we need to put right to. Yeah, um, I I I feel uh, we are um, we if we can get those injuries managed well. Also, I, I saw some great news about Timber. Whether or not that is concrete, that there are there is expectations. I saw that he's turn. yeah, I saw that he's well ahead of schedule. I think, but we'll which, we'll which see. Is, uh, yeah, we'll see. But it was if a big it is, injury, so we'll it, we'll see how that one plays out. If it is January, that would be very welcome. I know we'll take a, yeah. quite a long time after that. But anyway, putting this one, I'm happy the way we're managing it now with the injuries. I th- I'm, I'm glad Arteta didn't play him. I'm, I'm glad he was forced to do that. But I and I'm glad he's pulled the the England team have made the right decision, even though it was a useless waste of time getting him tested. But I'm glad that he's not going to be playing. So this could be a really welcome break for us and put us in. Really good position when we play Chelsea and fired up and ready to beat them. Yep, for sure. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on tonight. Um, And uh, we will speak to you all again soon. So thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. 